If you have your Bibles, um, open up to the book of First Timothy. Um, we're not going to stay here the whole time. I have a, a few different um, passages to, to go through. So um, just to kind of explain the title for a minute, the, the Are We Complacent? Um, as I've kind of just began to figure out what, where I was going to go with uh, this sermon as after Jared asked me to come and, and preach this morning as they were uh, visiting with family and spending time with, with family, um, I, I, I kind of started to go through just some com- conversations that I'd had over the past couple of months um, with some friends of mine that I went to Mid-America with. And one of the things that we um, were talking about is just where, where Christianity is today. And as we got to talking, we, we kind of came to this idea that we kind of feel like in some aspects that Christianity has kind of become this complacent or gotten into this complacent nature. And so before I jump into any of the, the, the real, the meat of the, the sermon, I wanted to explain what complacency is. Okay. According to Miriam Webster, complacency is self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Now you might be thinking, well, how does that apply to, to us and, and, and our, our spiritual walk? Well, in a lot of ways, complacency in, in, in your spiritual walk comes when you get into this comfortable lifestyle and you feel like you're kind of untouchable. I explained in the first service, there's a lot of times when a teenager, when I was growing up, I felt like I was untouchable. Yeah, I think most teenagers kind of feel like that sometimes. It's like they're untouchable. But when you get to this point where you're unaware of what's going on, the dangers uh, around you, what's going on around you in the world, you get into this, this realm of complacency where you just feel like you're, it's just comfortable. You don't need to do anything about the dangers around you. And so there's an old fable, um, the tortoise and the hare. I'm sure many of you have heard it before. Um, in the story, it's very well known. Everybody knows that it starts out in this tortoise and hare start a race, right? And uh, of course, the hare is a lot faster than the tortoise, so the hare just kind of takes off, right, and, and gets so far ahead, uh, but doesn't cross the finish line. He, the hare kind of stops and just relaxes because he feels like there's no real danger to him losing this race. So he gets comfortable, takes a nap. I'm sure if you could apply it to today's world, he's probably on his phone, scrolling through social media, all that stuff. He's just chilling, right? And so... Over time, though, the tortoise, slow and steady, right, gradually makes up some ground to the point where the tortoise gets ready to cross the finish line. And before the hare can actually realize what's taking place and the danger of him about to lose the race, what happens? The tortoise finished, beats him, wins the race. So the story, this fable is actually a really good picture of what it means to be complacent. Now, in some aspects, it's not necessarily, you know, the same kind of complacency that we're talking about in the spiritual uh, aspect. But in a sense, this is kind of where I'm going with this, with this sermon. So there's, there's many ways as Christians that we um, become complacent. A lot of it is linked to just the comfortable lifestyle that we have. Um, just the, the, the self-satisfaction and instant gratification can become too much of a normal idea if we forget who is really in charge. And if we forget who is really in charge, 
then we get into this, this little bubble, this comfortable bubble, where we feel like nothing's, gonna, nothing's wrong. Nothing's going to happen. We're fine. We're good. And, and, and we just kind of go from there. But there's so many dangers around us. And when we're talking about spiritual uh, dangers, there's sins that can creep in. Complacency is, is one of those things that you can, can kind of go unnoticed if you allow it to. It can become this, this, this second nature thing where if you become complacent, you, you, can't, you don't actually see that you're being complacent. And so our text today, 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to look, uh, start in verse 17. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 17, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And then in verse 19, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may, uh, they may take hold of, what, of that which is life indeed. I love that passage, especially the very beginning of it in verse 17, where it just simply just says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of those riches. So in, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, based on just that one verse, a lot of what complacency stems from is just the, the riches, the possessions, the, the accolades, the things that we accomplish in this life. And so the first point here is value spiritual growth over worldly growth. And so Luke 9, 24 and 25 tells us this, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or, 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 loses or forfeits himself? That verse is, is basically saying, if you gain all the money, all the possessions, all the accolades, the accomplishments, what is it actually worth if you lose yourself. And it goes back to what I said a second ago. What, what, is, what is all that worth if you lose sight of who's really in charge? Because if we lose sight of Christ, all that other stuff really doesn't matter. It's just empty stuff. The successes that we have in this life, though they may, might be great, and they might. You might have some really good accomplishments in this life. And I'm not knocking those in any way. But the successes in this life, even though they might be great, must come second to Jesus. Always. It is so easy to become infatuated with those riches and endless possibilities. That's one of the things that uh, in those conversations with those buddies of mine uh, and some of his conversations with church members is they talk about the endless possibilities that you can have in this country and all the things that we can achieve or do. And, um, they, but they were talking about it like it was just an easy thing. Like there's the endless possibilities. There's no worries or dangers or anything like that. And so it's so easy to be infatuated by those riches and the endless possibilities of, of this world. And in fact, it can become so easy that we prioritize those um, worldly possibilities above living for Christ. And I mentioned in the first service, when I was at Mid-America, uh, my first semester there uh, was in, in evangelism with Dr. B. Gray Allison. 
I uh, love that man to the extent that sometimes we were scared to go into his office. <laughs> um, it's kind of like crossing this threshold into a, a very spiritual place. And, but it was because he just loved the students and he loved to just talk to students. But one of the things that he told us in, in that class within the first couple of weeks is that he kind of set some priorities for us. He said, yes, your, your, your relationship with God and with Christ comes first. And then it's your family. And he was directing a lot of this towards those that had wives that were married. And he said, you know, in life, you're going to have lots of uh, possibilities in ministry. You're going to have lots of opportunities to do things in ministry. But he's like, but if your wife needs something or someone in your family needs something, then you drop everything in ministry and you go and take care of whatever that is. And it's always stuck with me that that was something that he told us or taught us in an evangelism class. And it's simply because he was trying to explain to us that it's, it's, it's God and then your family and then everything else. And so just the idea that if we allow the successes of this world to come in and, and creep in and, 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 and infiltrate who we are and, and we allow those things to just take priority then we're going to lose sight of Christ. The desire for earthly riches can often blind us. I don't know if you've ever watched a horse race. I don't know if anybody's into watching horse races or anything like that. But if you've ever watched a horse race, you notice that horses, a lot of times in those races, they have those blinders. So basically they see whatever's right in front of them so that they're not worrying or being scared or anything like that from the other horses around them. In this Christian life, a lot of times we can put those blinders on our faces and worry about what's just in front of us and we don't ever see what's actually around us. And so complacency in this form, a lot of times goes unnoticed. We just kind of focus on one thing and one thing only, not really having a care or worry about what's actually going on around us. And so a lot of times when we have those blinders on, we actually lose sight and we, we are uh, not able to see where, where we're lacking spiritually. The second thing is this. So the first thing um, was to value spiritual growth over worldly growth. The second thing is this, know God's word on a deeper level. And the reason this is an important aspect to complacency is that the world around us is desperate for hope. They're desperate for hope. And because they're desperate for hope, we cannot afford as Christians to know a few things here and there about God's word. It's, it's not enough to just know a few things here and there. As Christians, we must be a light in a dark world. And the only way to do this is by being equipped to shine that light. And the only way we can be equipped is if we know God's word. Now, I'm not saying you have to memorize this word for word from the beginning to the end. If you do, <laughs> more power to you. I don't, I don't know if we're word for word from the beginning to end. I don't, don't ever, I'm never going to claim to know it, oh, memorize it from, from beginning to end but we have to know it. We have to know what God's word says. In every opportunity, in every situation, opportunity, we have to know what God's word says. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18, God tells us how much um, his word should saturate our lives. In verse 18, it says this, you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. 
and you shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. He tells us to impress them on our heart and on our soul. That means we have to know it. We have to know what it says. I mean, you hear a lot of times, pastors will say something about paraphrasing. It's not because they don't know what the verse says. They're just, they just know that that's what the verse is talking about. And so they, they shorten it a little bit. So it's just to help you understand that they know what it's saying, but, it's, but they know it. We have to know God's word, even if it's a very short part of it. We have to know God's word on a deep level to the point that we impress it on our lives and on our, into, on our soul. So it is not enough to just be familiar. Uh, I know a lot of people will say, yeah, I know what God's word says. But, but do they know God's word? A lot of people know who God is, but do they know God? A lot of people know who Jesus is, but do they actually know Jesus? It's not enough to just be familiar with something, especially scripture and God and who he is and, and Christ and what he's done. It's not enough to just be familiar with God's word. God is searching for those who will go beyond being familiar. We are given grace to know, to believe, and to embody the word of God. We, we are given grace to, to, to know it and to believe it and, and, and to make it a part of every aspect of our lives. And we're given that grace so that we can be a light in a world that desperately needs Christ. The last thing is this, and this is where a, a big chunk of my message comes from, is do not get bored with the gospel. Uh, Michael and I, Pastor Michael and I were at a, a missions training uh, about a month ago or so, a little over a month ago. And it, the, the training as a whole was really good. It, it, was, it was very profitable for us. And we took a lot away from it. And one of the things that I took away was a question that was asked us. And the question was, are we bored of the gospel? And it didn't dawn on me. And, and when I first heard it, I had to actually just kind of re recite that question in my head before I, I started to really think about the fact that are we actually bored of the gospel? Is it just another story in the, in the many stories that we know? Has the gospel become just another story within Christianity? And in some cases, yes, it, it has become just another story. And, and in some ways, the gospel has seemed to lose some of its pizzazz, so to speak. I've had a couple of conversations through um, just interactions out and about, and I've been texting a few men who, for lack of a better word, they don't know God. They don't know who Jesus is. One of those men has been asking lots of questions. And one of the things that we, when I first started talking to him, I asked him if he knew what the gospel was. And he's like, yeah, I know what the gospel is, but I don't want anything to do with it. And it's because in his explanation to me, he explained that it was this, this super like crazy idea was what the gospel was. And so uh, basically in the conversation it was like, the gospel is not complicated. It's incredibly simple. And so it started to make me ask the question, well, what is the gospel exactly? If, if people are getting this, this watered down gospel that's, that's super complicated, 
then what is the gospel? I'm, I'm one of those that loves some Christian rap. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I've always loved listening to. Um, a man by the name of Jason Emmanuel Petty, a.k.a. Propaganda. That's, that's, what he, that's his rapper name. Or he's, a, he's also a spoken word artist. And what a spoken word artist does is they take, he takes verses or passages of Scripture and actually raps them. Like, that's what he does. He, he talks about them. And one of the things that he actually did a spoken word art for was the word gospel. And he turned it into an acronym. Okay? And so follow along with me here because this, is, this, is this might be one of the most simple ways that I've ever seen the gospel portrayed. And this isn't all of it. It's not word for word or anything like that. I've shortened a little bit of it. But the first letter in the gospel, in the word gospel, is G. And that stands for God. Okay, so the maker and giver of life, the one that gives us all that we could ever hope for or dream of. So, so God is the first letter, it's the, fir- the first word in the acronym, and he's the maker and giver of life. He's the one that gives us everything that we have. The next letter is O, and that stands for our, and it is our sins that separate us from God. So we've got the G, we've got the O, and it's our sins that separate us from God. The next letter is S, and it stands for sin. Sin is the problem, right? Sin is the problem. It's a a disease that I can promise you is far worse than any disease or virus found on this earth. It's a disease. And, And it's a disease that will literally choke the life out of you. However, there is a unique aspect to the gospel. The only way to fix our sin problem is for a payment to be made. There has to be a payment. And in this conversation with this this man that I've been talking to for a little over a month now, in this conversation, I had to explain to him that this payment isn't like money or anything. There's nothing that he can give up to pay for what I was talking about. It is a payment, but it's not a normal payment, right? It's, it's not a normal payment. It's actually a, uh, a life payment. It has nothing to do with money or possessions or accolades or accomplishments or whatever it is. It doesn't, none of that can pay for your sins. It's a life payment. And it's a life payment that only one person could have paid, with, paid for. And that's Christ. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. And in, so this, at this point in our conversation and me explaining the gospel to him, he's starting, it's starting to click for him. It's starting to, to, to really pick up some, some steam. And he's starting to ask more questions, right? And, and then we get into the next letter, which was P, payment, and then E, everyone. So see, he explained to me that he had a really bad experience with someone that tried to share the gospel with him. And this experience that he went through, the situation that he went through, is the person that was sharing the gospel with him portrayed Christ as this white man, so to speak. And for lack of just, this is a black man that I'm talking to. And so it did not go over well with him. And so when I 
mentioned this, and I mentioned that the gospel is for everyone. I also brought up an, a statement, a quote from Billy Graham. The quote from Billy Graham said, says this, don't ever say it's a white man's religion or a black man's religion. It's a world religion and he is for the world or he belongs to the world. And so I had to explain to him that Billy Graham also said this after this quote, that Jesus is not from here. If anything, he's from over there in Israel. I was like, he was born in Bethlehem, which is not here that I know of. <laughs> I don't think it's over here in, in America. It's, it's over in Israel. And as I was explaining this to him, it really began to, to register in his mind that the gospel that I'm talking about is not the gospel that he's heard before. And it starts to click for, for him and starts to really begin to, to change directions for him. And then we get into the last part. The last letter is L in the word gospel, and it stands for life. The result of Jesus dying for us is life. Pretty simple, right? The result of Jesus dying for our sins is life. So he gave up his life so that we could have life. We don't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn this life. We didn't do anything to earn the successes and the, the things that we have. It's because of Christ that we even are able to do the things that we do. God loved us so much that he gave us his son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that simple. That's the gospel in a, in a nutshell. So if you, if you break down that acronym, it's God, our sins, paying everyone life. It's that simple. Yes, there's things that you can add to that and, and, and expound on. But for this specific conversation, I tried to make it as simple as possible just so he understood that the gospel is not complicated. It's a simple thing. And all you have to do is believe in it and believe that Jesus did come and he did give up his life so that you could have it. You could have that life. So, we don't have time to be bored with the gospel. Why? Because there's a world around us that desperately needs the gospel. And because there's a world around us that desperately needs the gospel, boredom should never be tied to the word gospel. Shouldn't even be in the same sentence or in the same question. We have been commanded to share the gospel. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you or taught you. And then the, what's the, the, you know, the crazy thing is at the very end of that, he says, I'm gonna be with you. This one command means that there is no time to be bored with the gospel or complacent in this life. Don't allow the world to creep into your life. We are a part of this world, yes, but we're not of this world. 
I then eventually had to explain to him that when you believe in Christ, this is not your home. This is a temporary residential living space. And when you believe in Christ with all your heart and you confess him as your Lord and Savior, your home then becomes an eternal home. A home in which you get to be with Christ and be with God forever. Where you're not separated from him in a place called hell. And we ended up having a conversation about that because he asked if that was an actual real place. And I was like, yeah, it's a real place. It's very real. Yes, there's fire and brimstone. Yes, people will be there if they don't believe in Christ. It wasn't an act to try to scare him or anything like that, but he just needed to know that it was real. And throughout this conversation with him, it eventually led to him asking me if he could, he, he wanted to believe. He wanted to be a part of that. Unfortunately, he doesn't live here though. <laughs> he lives in another state, but I, I've been communicating with him and he's involved in church now. He gave his life to Christ. He went and, and, and had a conversation with the pastor at the church that he had actually been attending, but he just wasn't a fan of what took place at church. Now he is. And so the only way for us to not be complacent in this life is to value our spiritual growth over worldly growth. Value the things that God is going to teach you over the things that you earn from a job or career. Know God's word on a deep level. Truly know it. I'm not saying you have to memorize every single verse within scripture. There's 66 books and there's lots of verses to, to go through. But know God's word and print it onto your heart. Know what it says. Even if you don't know it word for word, just know it, know what it says. And then obey the command given to us by Christ before he ascended to heaven to share the gospel. So we don't have time to be bored or to be complacent in this world, especially when we know how desperate this world is for, for something more. I shared a, a, a statistic that um, earlier in the first service that I don't know if anybody else has realized this, but the, the stat that I saw was that Christianity actually grew over 2021. There were more Christians that there were more people came to saving faith in 2021 um, percentage wise than in years past, which is kind of a crazy stat knowing what's been going on in this world. We see it though. We see what goes on and takes place. We see the craziness between, uh, honestly, between church, between the, the political landscape of our country. We see the chaos that takes place, not just here, but all over the world. The last question that I have for you guys, and it's a question that I think we honestly, truly I don't know that we'll ever face a situation like this, but are we willing to die and for the gospel? Are we willing to give up our life for the sake of Christ? You know, we see stories all the time of missionaries, their, their children dying because they're sharing the gospel, because they're, they're taking God's word into places where it actually is illegal to take it. 
we see stories about it almost weekly, some monthly. It's, we see them all the time. I don't know that we'll ever face that type of persecution here or that spiritual warfare here. I just don't know. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. But are we, are we willing to, to die for it? Are we too complacent in our lives right now to even be able to answer that question? I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're at in, in life. I don't know if this is speaking to you at all. But I know that it spoke to me in the sense that I, 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 I don't wanna be complacent. I don't wanna focus on the accomplishments in this life or the money or the possessions or anything that this world has to offer. I would rather focus on what God has to offer me. And I pray and hope that that's you too. I pray and hope that you would much rather have God come into your life and give you everything that he wants you to have and value that over anything that this world has to offer you. So maybe you're here today and, and, and you are in that realm of complacency where you've just lost your way and, and, and things are just kind of coming in and you're blinded to actually what's going on. And you're so focused and fixated on worldly things. Maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you're here and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe the gospel has become just another story where you come here, you sit, you listen, and you go home. I've been there. I've been there. I'm sure everybody else in this room has been there. Don't let it just be another story because it's not. It's the greatest news that we could ever take to anybody. It's the greatest news that anybody's ever gonna hear. Someone literally gave their life so that they could have life. It's the greatest thing you'll ever, you're ever gonna hear. I don't think anybody else in here has ever given their life to save the world. At least not that I know of. But Jesus did. He gave his life so that we could have life, have it more abundantly. So that we could have eternal life. Spent living in, in, in perfect harmony with him forever. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ at all. Maybe you're in the same boat as, as the, the, the man that I was talking about a second ago in the conversations that we had. And you don't know him. And maybe the gospel has become just this thing where you just don't want to hear it anymore because it might be too complicated. I can promise you this, it's not complicated. Jesus wants and desires a relationship with you. And that's it. He wants, to, he wants a relationship with you where he comes into your life and gives you everything that you could ever possibly dream of. Maybe you're here and you've, and you are a Christian, you are a believer. And, and maybe you just need to get right with God. Whatever it is today, don't leave this place without getting right with God, without talking to one of the pastors. Start this new year, not with a resolution, but with a spiritual challenge to take hold of what God has commanded us to do. 
and let's lead the charge to help build the kingdom of God. I would love nothing more than that to start right here at First Baptist, where we leave these walls, this, this building, because this is not the church. We're the church. Let's, as the church, let's leave these, this place and do what God has commanded us to do. I mean, it's literally all over the church. Love God, love people, live sent, share the gospel. It's all over the church. We need to model that to the world around us. We need to love God. We need to love people. We need to share the gospel, the three greatest commands that you're ever going to read in scripture. It's not a complicated thing either. Love God with all that you can, with all that you have. Love people the way that Jesus loved people. I mean, Jesus sat with sinners and people that went against him all the time but he just, he loved them. And then he, he shared the gospel with people that rejected him nonstop. Just because the world rejects us doesn't mean that we stop. We keep going, we keep sharing. We keep going and keep sharing because we can't save people, but God can. All we're here to do is to share, to plant those seeds and allow God to come in and nurture those seeds. So whatever it is you need, to deal with today, whatever that next step is for you. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you need to talk. We would love nothing more than to talk with you. So as I close in prayer and as the band comes and leads, there's gonna be pastors down front who are, are more than willing to talk to you. And I pray that you don't leave here today with a heavy burden on your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for, um, thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it, it pours into our lives. We thank you for the fact that you did create everything and you did give us life and you gave us life because of what your son did on the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made by giving his life up for us, by saving us from our sins because you knew that we could not go through what Jesus went through. We could not have died the death that Jesus died. We could not have taken on your wrath. And Father, we are so thankful for the fact that you sent your son knowing that he could. And we're thankful that he did it willingly and out of love. Father, I pray for the one that's here today that doesn't know you. Father, I pray that today is the day of salvation for that person that they would come into a saving relationship with you and have a desire to grow in your word and in the relationship with you. Father, I also pray for those that are here that do know you. Maybe they're in that, that realm of complacency where they just are comfortable. Father, I pray that you would break their heart again so that they had to have a desire to do what you have commanded us to do. And Father, I pray that we leave this place and we begin this new year ready and willing to do what you have commanded us to do, which is to take the gospel to the world. Father, we love you and we thank you. You come as God compels you.